everybody to this brand new podcast, It's a Crazy Life. My name's Sarah and I'm just a crazy lady on a mission to motivate, educate and inspire you on your very own journey to become the best version of yourself. Good afternoon people and welcome back to the It's a Crazy Life podcast. Today is another amazing show. I am interviewing the incredible Michelle Bebbington of Total Therapy. Michelle is an emotional therapist, a Chinese medicine practitioner and teacher, and an acupuncturist. Not only that, Michelle is incredibly passionate about psychology and likes to study the subject just for fun. So without further ado, let's welcome Michelle to the show. You're absolutely going to love this. Not only is Michelle sharing her opinions and tools on stress, but is facing a huge fear today, public speaking. Enjoy the show, guys, and I hope it helps you in some way. So, Michelle, welcome to the show. Hi, Sarah. Hiya. (laughs) And I've got to tell you, I am facing one of my personal fears today. I'm absolutely terrified of public speaking, and I hate hearing my own recorded voice. So I may not even listen to this for ages afterwards. Um, But please excuse any pauses I make. If I say um a lot, and if I waffle, (laughs) just please excuse me, because... I get scared too. Everybody gets scared. Um, And my way of facing a fear is to acknowledge it, face it down and deny it power. So I'm just going to hit this head on. And I'm also a Taurus. So hitting things head on like a bull in a china shop. One of my ways of going at it. So, (laughs) okay. I love this. I love the realness and the the authenticity that this podcast is producing. It's it's just amazing. And it's so refreshing to hear a professional sit there and say, I'm scared to do this, so I'm facing it today. Let's do it. It's We're all human at the end of the day. Absolutely. We are. We're just all built the same, and we're all made of the same stuff. It's just some of us have been taught things, that's all. Isn't that the truth? <laughs> yeah, totally. I'm so um, excited to have you on today, and thank you so much for sharing that with us. Today, obviously, we're talking stress, and I just can't wait to hear your view on stress and how it can affect us in our day-to-day lives. Not only that, but what could the listeners do to help themselves cope with their emotions and prevent the stress from consuming them and make life difficult? So, Michelle, are you ready? Shall we dive on in? Let's do this. (laughs) (laughs) So, first things first, Michelle, tell us, what is your story, basically? What do you do and what has brought you to this life choice? Right. Okay. So job titles are really, really difficult sometimes, especially when you're in this sort of, um, you're doing this kind of thing. Um, The job title that have been given to us recently is I am a healthcare professional, but basically we've just been elevated up to a new rank. So I am a healthcare professional now. I work primarily with Chinese medicine, including acupuncture, um, but there's other modalities in there as well, including emotional therapy. The thing, the, how I got there is I've always been interested in what makes people tick. So what makes them function as a biological machine, mostly, but from an early age also, I noticed that people are very different, have different reactions to different situations. So there's always a little bit of a seed in there, it's a, an interest. The When I started working in an office, mainly because I was pressured into it by parents, thought that was it for me. I, I just thought, you know what? I'm not going to be in the healthcare profession. I'm just going to be an office worker for the rest of my life, it seems like. 
But when I realized years later that night school was a thing because I used to work at a college and I thought, you know what, it's time to do something. So I started studying psychology. At the time, the idea was to get another GCSE. But when I realized how absolutely fascinating the subject was and how fascinating the mind was and how horrible something people have done to people in the past in order to learn how fascinating the mind was, that was it for me. I just I study psychology in my off time all the time. And I think it's totally fascinating. Brilliant subject. Yeah, and it's there's a minefield, isn't there? <laughs> just oh god, yeah. You, the the more you learn, the deeper it goes. It's Absolutely. down the rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So from that, then you went to night school and you like learned psychology. What is it then that put you into Chinese medicine? Many years ago, I met my teacher through actually doing jujitsu. Wow. Um, yeah. Now, I don't know. A lot of people don't realize that martial arts, tradi proper traditional martial arts and proper traditional healing go together hand in hand because you always have to have balance. Yeah. Where there is yin, you've got to have yang. So if you learn to take people apart, you've got to learn how to put them back together again. So not just for your friends, your colleagues in the field, but also putting yourself back together again. If you say for in an old traditional battle with the samurai, if you went into a battle and your friend was on the field next to you with, um, say, a cut or a, an arm that had been dislocated, you had to learn how to patch him up and get him back on his feet so he could defend you back in battle. You know, so when I learned the the jujitsu, um, the the teacher he was supposed to be teaching people um, Chinese medicine when they got to black belt. But I had a hint of it a little bit before, and I just said, I want to know this now. And I think I said it in such a way that I convinced him that I was completely serious. And he pulled a few of us in earlier and started to teach us a bit early. And after that, that was it. That was my passion completely. Um, the world and the healing world started to make sense totally. Uh, I've never understood how Western medicine works the way it works but with Chinese medicine everything just makes sense and it's logical so you know the, the words might not make sense but <laughs> the methodologies and what you actually do it just works it's brilliant so um I think yeah. we're, gonna have to, we're gonna have to dive into the Chinese medicine on this podcast at some point <laughs> oh we will no. we will <laughs> <laughs> okay fantastic so michelle let's get talking about stress how okay. have you had to deal with stress in the past and what did you do right okay so for many many reasons i didn't do the any of the healing at school and of course i went into it in the night school but because I ended up in an office, I eventually ended up in the IT industry and the telecoms industries. Now, they are amongst the top 10 of the most stressful industries in the world. Um, and because you work in highly stressed industries over the years, you develop stress busting coping mechanisms. And I was really, really lucky that one of the first offices that I ever worked in, my boss was absolutely fantastic. Uh, he was brilliant at stress busting. And observing him and learning from him taught me an awful lot. And we use stress coping mechanisms out of necessity 
in the offices. I mean, this was the late 1980s, so mid to late 1980s. So in those days, it wasn't frowned on to deal with stress openly in the office. I mean, today, if you sort of clang around a little bit, um, people tend to jump on you and say, get your work done. But it's actually more productive to deal with the stress as it happens. One of the ways we coped with stress, um, with clowning around and joking with each other, the, the manager wasn't actually bothered if you sat around somebody's desk and had a coffee and a quick five minute chat if you, your work was done. So he used to come over to the desk and say, are the orders all done? Yeah. OK. Um, is, the, is this set up? Yeah. Oh, OK, then. What we all doing at weekend? You know, it was just so really, really relaxed sort of frame of mind. And there wasn't pressure on to get ahead you know, it was just as long as everything was up to date, that was fine. You know, enough is actually enough. One of the games that we used to play, uh, office cricket. Have you ever heard of office cricket? Sort of, yes. Never played, but yeah, I've heard of it. Yeah, it was a big game in the 1980s. We used to get a ruler and some scrunched up balls of paper <laughs> and then you'd allocate targets around the room. So you might have um, bins that had been emptied or you might have some cardboard boxes or allocate points to people's desks. And then somebody would throw a piece of scrunched up paper and you hit it with a ruler. And then wherever it landed, that was how many points you got. Yeah. And it was only like a two or three minute game. And each person had a couple of goes and the person at the end of it with the most points was the winner. So it wasn't like, no, it wasn't a very organized game. It was just yeah. a quick bit of fun. And, and normally the winner went to get the coffee. So <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Um, so when they got, when, that's another thing that we used to do, you get a plastic cup that somebody had had coffee in previously and you walk around the desks and then if somebody wanted a coffee, they'd throw 10p towards the cup, which is how much a coffee was. If they got it in the cup, they could have a coffee. If they didn't, they had to go from their own. So that was another game that we did. And have you, have you ever had the stress balls? Yes. The old yeah. stress balls, the really squeegee ones. You do, you do realise they are not for squeezing. What they are for is for throwing at each other. And oh. if you get somebody on the head, it's a score. <laughs> <laughs> that is true stress busting. You, the only thing is you've got to watch the paper clips or the coffee, because if you're not that over, you know, the other person gets even more stressed. <laughs> but no. So it's just little things like that. They help keep things fun. And laughing is actually one of the biggest ways to reduce cortisol, the stress hormone. Yeah. So laughter brings cortisol right down. Um, so it's really important to be in a good mood and have a laugh if you're in a stressful environment. That, that particular manager, he also told me about a quote. Now, I don't know where this has come from. I really don't know to this day who said it. But if anybody knows, please do message in because I'd be delighted if anybody does know this and it's many many years I've been trying to find out who said this really? but he said it was a famous quote and he said the the busier a man is the more breaks he should take yeah 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 so if you're stressing out about something um for example exam revision you can only take in 20 minutes of information in one go and you can only focus in a really hard state for about 20 minutes in one time if you're working very, very hard at focusing or learning, after 20 minutes, you're done. And you need to have a break. Right. Once you've had a break, you can start again because your mind's processed all that information. So the, the more work you're doing, the more breaks you need and the more productive you come when you have those breaks. Oh, my word. Maybe that's where I'm going wrong with editing these podcasts. <laughs> because I Maybe it is. <laughs> 
<laughs> really it is. 20 minute sections of work. And after that, walk away, do something else and come back to it. And your productivity rate will have gone up again. And does it matter how long you walk away for, for, for after 20? Normally I say about 10 minutes. Right. But when, when I'm um, telling the students revision, I say do 20 minutes, then have half an hour break, come back, do 10 minutes testing, and then another 20 minutes revision. No matter where you're up to, go away, have half an hour break. That's good. And you're taking more that way than That's you do good. if you advise for an hour. Because you're testing yeah. yourself to see what you've taken in rather than just, like I would, churning through the next lot of 20 minutes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, oh, gold tips there. That's brilliant. Thank you. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay, then. So can you tell us about a particular case of stress that you have dealt with in your personal life? Obviously, from early on in my working life, I learned how to deal with stress through fun and not taking things seriously and taking regular breaks. But over the years, uh, the I think the most stressful time was when I was a teenager. And a lot of kids do deal with stress and a lot of teenagers deal with stress. Um, more so now, back when I was a teenager, it was a really, really stressful time. Mainly because I was never really very good with purely academic subjects. I didn't know how to revise at that time. I didn't know how to deal with stress. And doing the academic subjects at school, coming home and doing the stuff I was doing at home, I found that I was thinking about all these things all the time. And when it came to exam time, because I didn't know how to revise and because these academic subjects were so difficult for me, I found that I was trying to revise solidly all week, all weekend. And at night I was lying in bed, looking at the ceiling, looking at this, the lights from the street lights outside on the ceiling and trying to go over stuff in my head. And one day I realized it's four o'clock in the morning. What am I doing? I don't know anymore. I'm not gonna know anymore now. My exam's tomorrow. There's nothing I can do. And I just thought, this is ridiculous. This is absolutely ridiculous. I'm not going anywhere at this point. All I'm doing is keeping myself awake, depriving myself of sleep and winding myself up even more. And that realization just seemed to switch something off in my head. Right. It's not so switch something on, it just switched something off and everything just went quiet in my head. Yeah. And I, I almost taught myself at that moment to just meditate. It's like my brain just went, oh, I've done now. I've, I've given up. I can't do it anymore. Right. And I just turned over and went to sleep. Wow. And after that, I became a calmer person for some reason. So, so like you realizing that actually I can't yeah. do anything about this. So absolutely. It is what it is. <laughs> It is what it is. It was one of those sudden realizations that just changes things. You know, you have those times in your life when you think enough is enough. And that was my, that was my enough is enough moment. And ever since then, you've stuck with this. That's, that's brilliant. I mean, there's yeah. well, you know, thousands, if not millions of teenagers right now that are stressed, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Things, especially with everything that's gone on in the last 12 months and their exams so if they are listening Absolutely. To or their parents that's a good tip for them thank you so much yeah the only thing is you can't you can't get you can't teach somebody to do it it's got to be something that you have to realize yourself and you have to you have to gain that yourself yeah so it can't yeah. be taught <laughs> unfortunately it can't be taught and it can't be bought no unfortunately no. I suppose it's just a case of, as we've been saying, it's come out a lot. You have to find your own toolbox and manage that. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Brilliant. So, okay, then in your professional 
opinion. What is stress? Okay, so stress um, isn't necessarily a bad thing. Long-term stress is, but short-term stress isn't, is a result of stress. All right. Most people, sorry? I said, all right. I, th I thought, yeah, because I had heard it was anxiety, but that actually makes sense because stress, yeah. anxiety, stress causes anxiety. Yeah. 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 So most people view it as negative. Um, it, as again, it's a short term reaction as a natural thing. However, when you don't actually have something to fight and we don't have to, something to run from, it can become a long term thing because the body just doesn't know when to switch it off. When days gone by, when we're evolving, we had predators hunting us. So if you were out hunting something, cause something could be hunting you. If you came across a um, youngster, the parent would hunt you. You know, it would defend its youngster. Or even if you just cut yourself, you know, a cut can cause tetanus. And of course, they didn't have tetanus shots back then. So even a cut could actually kill you. You have to be really, really vigilant. So we evolved to have a very, very good short-term vigilance for what's going on around you. So you go into a very heightened state of awareness. Your heart rate goes up and your muscles tense. Then that happens when adrenaline is released into your system. So the cortisone um, and all the adrenaline. What happens is the body will close itself down because the stress hormones tell you that the threat is coming from the outside world. And that triggers your body to send all the nutrients and energy to your extremities. So if you think of a rabbit ready to run or a cat ready to pounce, what has happened is all the strength and all the nutrients and everything has gone into its muscles and they're getting ready and they're tensing up and coiling, ready to spring either on the attack or on running. So that's the life preserving reaction. OK, so these days, we obviously, we don't have those cave bears raiding our living rooms for food. We don't have saber toothed tigers jumping out of the fridge. And we don't have to fight these things anymore. We don't have to be so switched on all the time. But the issue is we don't actually know how to switch it off either. So we end up in a long term fight or flight situation, which is what we call stress. So why the short term stress isn't a bad thing. It keeps us on our toes and keeps us alive. The long term stress does damage to us. The, the short term thing. Have you ever had a you've been in a car? And you've had a close call where somebody's come out of the side road or somebody's veered off onto your side of the road and suddenly it's all over and you don't know what happened. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, what that happens is the blood runs from your forebrain to your highbrain and your forebrain just stops thinking. And that's the result of stress. So that's a life saving. It's an example of a life saving situation that can happen these days. And our body just naturally takes over and saves our life. We're even more powerful than I thought. <laughs> oh, well, human beings, we're incredibly powerful. And we don't even realize how powerful we are. We don't realize how amazing we are. We're incredibly powerful machines. We can save our own lives in an instant without even thinking about it. You know, the granny that lifts the car. Yeah. Because somebody's trapped under it. And she'll probably rip all her muscles doing it. But that's stress that does that. It's fight or flight. Like, but that's like you just said, it's a natural reaction and it saves our lives. But if, yeah. like, you know, if it was to carry on long term, that's when we can get problems. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So when you don't switch it off, when you, you don't deal with it efficiently, you know, it, it can cause long term damage to your systems. Yeah. 
So what what would that be then? So if, if we left stress and treated, say, for a year, a couple of years, what would happen there? So one of the major things that can happen is heart disease. Um, stress is the biggest killer in the modern world. It really is totally the biggest killer. And everybody agrees on that. Um, it's linked to every major health problem we've got. So heart disease can be caused by your heart rate elevating because of the stress hormones. Long term heart elevation um, can cause cardiovascular disease, arrhythmia, high blood pressure, heart attacks, even stroke. So it can literally totally kill you. It's been linked to diabetes, cancer. It's been linked to dementia. And it's not that it causes these things necessarily. It hasn't been proved that it, ha it does, it, but it hasn't been proved that it hasn't. I'm thinking possibly even dementia, it could cause dementia, but it just stops them getting better. I'll explain a little bit more in, in a bit, but it can cause more severe mental health issues as well. So you can get personality disorders, um, you can, it evolves into anxiety and, you know, the anxiety then evolves into depression. So not only that, you've got the effects of stress on other people in your life as well. So if you're stressed and you can imagine you're a little bit snappy, you take it out on the person nearest to you and they start getting stressed. Definitely. So and it can you can they can have all health issues on these people as well. So if you're living with somebody and you're a stressy person, then you can take it out on them and they become a stressy person. So suddenly they're dying of a heart attack and it's your fault. So <laughs> <laughs> not only are you killing yourself, you're killing others with your stress. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. You kill all the people around you with your stress. And not just living with a stressed person, it's not just the reacts of their stress on you, but also there's um, an exercise that we did in a um, customer service thing once. It was a customer service training. And I can remember... There was 12 of us in a room and we had to get a partner and obviously we're in six pairs. We stood back to back a few centimetres apart. So not touching, not speaking, not looking at each other. And we were all in different parts of the room, so we couldn't see other pairs either. So there was absolutely no cheating. And the trainer said to us, one of you must think of either the happiest thing that's happened in your life or the saddest thing that's happened in your life. So. I want you to feel intense happiness or intense sadness. And I want the other person, as soon as they know, to just say it. Just make a snap decision over what, what it is that you're feeling. Within a few seconds, two or three seconds, all, well, five out of those six groups got it right 100% of the time. And the funniest thing is, the, one, the person that didn't get it right, she got it wrong 100% of the time. Did she? So she was making exactly the wrong judgment every single time. Wow. Now, whether she was reading it wrong or whether she was denying it, we don't know. It's an amazing thing. You're not, you're picking up somebody else's emotion just by being next to them. And if you think that you can pick up that emotion in two or three seconds, what are you picking up in two or three years? Oh my goodness. That's yeah. mind blowing. Yeah. So if you're living with somebody that's dealing with stress and anger and all the other things that the stress causes, what are you picking up and what are you taking on? You know, it's madness. It's, yeah. But that's just because like my dog, if I come home stressed, she won't speak to me. She 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 avoids me. And that's yeah. a dog. So she can feel I know that. But then 
like you you just take it for granted don't you that it's your yeah. this anger oh it doesn't affect anybody else it's mine but no you are and even yeah. Without, oh, yeah. without saying a word even looking at them in their direction <laughs> absolutely yeah and you just walk into a room with somebody being with them for five minutes and walk out not say a word and you've affected them just the emotions that are pouring out in you the hormones that are pouring out of you they'll they'll sense them and they'll pick them up and they'll feel it oh, I've, I've learned so much already <laughs> <laughs> wow Okay, yeah. while well, I'm still reeling from that. So how can stress affect the body on a daily basis? And how do we know when it's too much? When do we know, right, that's it, enough is enough. I am going to have a break, a holiday. <laughs> okay, so to explain what happens to the body on a daily basis, I'll go through the things that the stress causes in the body and the signs that it causes. Okay, so um, your breathing quicken, quickens, it goes more shallow. So when your breathing quickens, your heart rate quickens. Yeah. And as the heart rate elevates, it puts stress on your heart and your lungs. Okay. Because your breathing quickens. There's a rumor, I'm not quite sure how it is, but a lot of people tend to agree on it, that you've only got so many heartbeats in your life. I think it's probably to do with the amount of stress that the heart can take over a long period of time. And it's probably an approximate number. But if you think if your heart rate is double what it should be, then that would say that your life is half what it should be. Of course, because you're pumping that much harder than everybody else. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Now, when your heart and your lungs suffer from prolonged overwork, the stress will evolve then into anxiety. The, the lungs have a chemical in them, I believe. I'm not quite sure where this has come from because uh, I've not got it myself, but somebody's told me this. The lungs have a chemical in them. When you breathe to the bottom of your lungs, there's a chemical release that actually reduces anxiety. So if you've left your anxiety for too long, it then becomes depression. Yeah. So it's a big, long downward spiral. Your blood supply starts moving from your organs to your limbs. Now, this doesn't just increase your strength, but it decreases the ability of your body to repair your organs. What? So all the, all the red blood cells that are normally going to pumping around your organs are then diverted to your limbs, and any repair that you need to do is delayed until you stop stressing. I've heard so, something about this. There was a yeah. guy, um, Bruce Lipton, he, I follow him on YouTube, and he oh, said... Yeah. Yeah that when they do kidney transplants and stuff like that, they inject cortisol into the body so that the stress hormones accept the organ, is that? Yes, synthetic cortisol, yes. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. he's an amazing guy, yeah. Anyway, sorry about that, sorry, sorry to interrupt. Yeah, no, it's fine. I, I was gonna say that a little bit further on, but that's oh, fine. You? Oh. Yeah, no, it's fine, absolutely fine. Um, so because you've got um, the, all these, the, this, the nutrients have been taken away from your internal organs and you've got lots and lots of stress going on your external extremities the muscles tense because of the readiness for fight or flight and when the muscles tense it causes stresses on the skeleton it causes stresses on the nerves and the veins and the muscles stiffen they become less flexible which when they're coiled for preparation to jump that's okay very short term but when it's for a long term they stop being so flexible and you've got more chance of having injuries. Over long periods of time, you've got loss of strength and speed um, because the blood supply actually stops, it slows down. 
Um, it sounds counterintuitive to fight or flight, but you've got to remember that fight or flight is a short-term thing. Yeah. So when it's a long-term thing, everything stops moving and you get lots of what we in Chinese medicine call stagnation. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So everything stops going around your system and your system starts healing itself and it just gets more uh, tighter. Now, because the resources are diverted to the strength and speed, the immune system then gets highly compromised. Uh, it makes you more susceptible to bacterial infections, viruses and fungal spores, um, which are some of them are already in your body. Yeah. And in Western medicine, they call them opportunistic organisms. Right. So you walking around or every, all the time, you're probably about 44 percent human being and the rest of it is other organisms. So, um, for instance, on the surface of your skin, you've got a bacteria that helps or fight other bacteria. Uh, in your stomach, you've got a bacteria that helps you digest your food. So you are a colony, basically. Very, you know, less than half of you is actual human being. The rest of you is a colony. A lot of this is opportunistic organisms. And when your immune system gets compromised, these seize this opportunity and they take it and they start invading your body. So this is why when you get run down, you get colds. Yeah, it's not a problem when you're moving constantly because the blood supply is going around the system. But when you start to relax afterwards and then the sniffles come and you think, well, these opportunistic organisms have finally got hold and now I can rest. I can have the flu. That is exactly what used to happen to me. I, I couldn't understand it. I'd work for weeks on end um, without a day off and then I'd have a couple of days off and I'd be ill. Christmas is the worst time for catching colds. I always used to have it on Christmas Day. Always. Yeah. <laughs> always, yeah. Yeah, I used to be the worst for catching colds on Christmas Day as well. My word. Who knew yep. that this was actually yeah. a thing? <laughs> yeah, the absolute golden nugget. If you, the worse you stress about catching a disease, the more likely you are to, collect, to, to catch it. Because you're so you've got all these people going around now at the moment thinking, oh, I'm going to catch COVID, I'm going to catch COVID. And the more you stress about catching COVID, the more you're likely you are to catch it. Because if you come into contact with it, your body is less likely to be able to fight it. So the best thing to do is actually prepare for it, get your masks on, do your distancing, and then just chill. Love it. Don't worry about it. Get your mask. Yeah, Boris, here's one for you. Get your masks on, get your distance, and just chill. <laughs> Absolutely. And that, that's my mantra, that is. Get your mask on, get, do your distancing, and chill. Because if you stress about it, you're going to catch it. You know, it's like the law of attraction. The more you think about it, the more it'll happen. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but that's the scientific, that's one of the scientific bases of the law of attraction. If you stress about getting ill, you're going to get ill. So if, but going back to the um, synthetic cortisol, I can't actually remember what it's called. Like a steroid, a, a corticosteroid, it's a synthetic corticosteroid. And they, um, when you have a, an organ transplant, yeah. the surgeon, what the surgeon does is they will inject this into your system or the anaesthetist or whoever is doing it. They'll inject this into your system and it makes you less able, less chance to reject foreign organisms. So the transplanted organ. If, say, if you have a lung transplant, for instance, they'll yeah. inject all these corticosteroids into your system and then it stresses your system out completely, shuts your immune system down and it lessens the chance of you rejecting that transplant. I believe that they can't find another drug that is more powerful than stress hormones. 
So they've just had to replicate stress hormones. That's how powerful these things are. That's that's crazy. I'm I'm I'm, I'm flabbergasted. So something that we we spoke about earlier as well. The blood will move from the forebrain to the hindbrain. Yeah. Now the forebrain is where we do our thinking and where we do working out things, and it's our computing. The hindbrain is our animalistic brain. Okay. So when the blood moves from the forebrain to the hindbrain, like when we got, went to the car, so when suddenly you realised it was all over and you saved your own life and you're not quite sure how you did it, that's what happens. But it can happen in things like when you're with the family and you're arguing and you're really, really stressed and suddenly you've screamed at somebody and you've said something that you didn't mean. It was just the animalistic brain. Or you've fought back. You get paranoid. Yeah. You get jittery all the time. That's why we do stupid things at work. That's why we kick the cat, you know. So um, you, you shout at the dog and it won't talk to you. Yeah. <laughs> because you don't mean it. It's just the animalistic brain taking over because you're so stressed and you're looking for where the threat is constantly. So you start growling at everything. He's explaining you know, something about my life right now. <laughs> 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 I bet there's a lot of people sitting there thinking, you know, this explains a lot. <laughs> <laughs> you become constantly aware of all the threats around you. And because all these threats are, most of these threats are actually imaginary threats. They're not there. Um, you just, it just spirals. And you be, because these imaginary threats are self-fulfilling because then you make them. Um, you make them into threats by growling at the dog so the dog won't talk to you and you think what the heck have I done yeah. it just spirals downwards have you ever texted somebody and you've got into an argument on text and you've read back a couple of days later and you think oh my god that's so my fault that I they weren't actually saying what I thought they were just saying yeah. but can you imagine that's just on a text can you imagine how many times that happens face to face verbally yeah and you haven't got the ability to go back and relook over that conversation. And then you stew on it, even for years later, thinking they were horrible to me. And in fact, facts, all they did was say, have you had a good day today or something along that lines? Yeah. And you've just taken it the wrong way. And you can imagine marriage is breaking up over this kind of thing. This is yeah? true. Not only biggest killer, it's probably one of the biggest breakups and marriages in the world as well. Yeah. So if you can imagine all those effects happening over a long period of time, I think I listed about five things, but there are more. If all those things happening over a long period of time, um, and you can imagine how people suffer from long-term stress. They've got all the physiological and psychological issues that this is causing. They've got a lack of blood and oxygen repair cells in all the internal vital organs. So they not only become sick easier, yeah. They get mental health issues. They look older because their body's not repairing itself properly. And then all those sort of things will add on to it and they become more mental health issues because you've got self-esteem issues then. Yeah. So the self-esteem issues themselves can cause mental health issues. In fact, there's a thought saying self-esteem is probably one of the, the underlying cause behind most of the mental health issues in the world is self-esteem. And if all these things are causing self-esteem issues, it's just going to get worse and worse and worse. Would you say then that stress is probably the main root cause of, of, of mental unwellness? I would say that stress is probably one of the biggest, if not the biggest cause of mental health issues. 
either for yourself or for other people. I mean, you've got things like PTSD. PTSD is caused by stress. Yeah. Yeah. You've got things like depression um, caused by anxiety and caused by stress. You've got things, the self-esteem issues. Most of my self-esteem issues came from being stressed out as a kid, you know, um, being told that I wasn't good enough, which was a stressful thing it possibly is I think stress is probably one of the biggest things in the world that we've got to get a handle on because we're ruining ourselves and we're ruining each other okay so when it's got too far we were talking about um you you asked about what how do we know when it's got too far the body's primary warning sign for anything that's got out of hand is pain right if the if you are in pain, something's got out of hand, something's going to go, something's going to give. If you bend down and something hurts, you know not to bend any further. If you are in mental anguish, mental pain or physical pain, things have got too far. You, you need to back up somewhere. Uh, I'm not talking about an ache. No. So if you say if you're running and you ache a little bit, that's good because that's growth. But physical pain or mental pain, actual pain, it means things are going too far. Mental health issues which are causing you pain. So not just a little bit of anxiety every now and again, but when it goes too far and you're really, really suffering, that's when it's gone too far. When your shoulders are painful, when your back is painful. If you have hip pain and you've not had an accident, People, they get hip replacements and knee replacements at the drop of a hat these days. I mean, they make you wait until you're a certain age, but they don't explore other avenues before they do it. They either give you drugs or they replace it. And what we tend to do is talk to people, see what's bothering them or where their stresses are in their life, give them a damn good massage, and then maybe do some tendon treatments on it to loosen the tendons in the body um, but as if by magic it goes because all the stresses have gone off the system you know one of my favorite things for people that suffer from mental health issues and have backache or shoulder ache is give them a really good deep tissue massage with some nice relaxing oils bit of relaxing music and make their minds basically melt and give them permission to switch off for a bit and I find that's one of the best ways of getting stress pains out of the body i think i need a trip so, to see tam <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh i tell you what tam's in check love her to die she yeah. is the one person that i love getting oil massage from really her oil massages are the best absolutely love it um and I'm, I'm seeing her i'm seeing her soon and i've, I've already booked her in massage of you when i see you and she said yeah yeah i'll massage of you as well so yeah absolutely um but it's pain the, the, the danger signs are pain and you really shouldn't let yourself get to that point. But if you've got pain, it means something's out of hand and you have to address it. It's urgent. What would you say to the listeners then who may be dealing with stress? How can they gain help for that stress if they're in pain? Where can they go? OK, so a lot of people think that if they uh, I mean, especially in today's um, situation, a lot of people think that they've got to pay a therapist or pay a counsellor. And you can. Yeah, you can go to a therapist, you can go to a counsellor and you can talk about what's bothering you. But stress tends to, tends to be one of the first things that happens. And if you can nip it in the bud, you don't have to go that far. One of the best people to go for for help with stress is your best mate yeah. or your friends. Book them for a trip to the pub or book them <laughs> for a day out. Go walking in the countryside. 
you know talk about anything that's not except the thing that's bothering you don't have it on your mind not if it's sort of sort of an issue which is bothering you but a stress don't have it on your mind go out go and chill but have a laugh you've got to have a laugh laughter is one of the best ways of bringing cortisol down and cortisol being the main stress hormone you bring cortisol down you bring your stress levels down one of the things that I really do that I love doing is I tell my dog about everything I mean if I could bring that dog here and she could speak English to you she would tell you things that I would cringe at but I don't, I don't shout at shouting at your dog's not good but just I just tell her they love the attention and they're never going to tell anybody <laughs> so take it for a walk and tell it everything you know it's really good stressful stuff if my dog could talk <laughs> Oh, God, yeah, absolutely. If my dog could talk, yeah. Offload your frustrations. Don't shout at them, like I said, but offload your frustrations onto your pets. But your friends are the best support. There are a few people out there with what they think are no friends, but I bet they can find some somewhere um, or somebody else that just needs support. Have a day out. Do something silly. Really, really just do something silly. I'm not sure where you live, whether this, um, where this sort of things in the street, but in Manchester, there's place where there's fountains in Piccadilly oh, yeah. and the fountains come up and in the hot weather you see loads of people running through the fountains <laughs> fantastic thing to do and go paddling in a stream somewhere just you know go back to your childhood you know just do something that's not serious mostly though the person that has to help you is you yeah you're the only person really that can help because you've got to t- decide it's time to stop doing it to yourself you've got to be your own best friend most of the people will come into my clinic and I say to them, who is your best friend? And they say, oh, it's this, this, this person. Oh, it's Claire or, oh, it's, it's Bill. And I say, no, you've got it wrong. You are your best friend. You have to be your best friend. Mm. And if you see yourself getting out of hand, you've got to say, I'll stop it. Yeah. Yeah. And also look after yourself. Like you look after your best mate. If you saw your Absolutely. mate piling the pressure on, yeah. you'd say, hey, whoa, whoa. That's enough. Yeah absolutely yeah you say look you're working too much get out go and have a drink say it to yourself yeah. you know go and go and have a cup of tea with a mate down the cafe you know anything it doesn't have to, you don't have to have a reason you know just just do something stress busting yeah you know throw a stress ball at somebody's head <laughs> you might get in trouble for it but god it's fun <laughs> i love that idea <laughs> yeah that's what they're for i'm absolutely certain that's what they're for just pick yeah. it up and throw it at somebody <laughs> finally last but not least and this is i think the most important question that everybody's waiting for do you have any exercises or self-help tools that you could share with our listeners to combat their stress yeah, I've got, I, I could probably write a book on this, to be honest. But one of the things I think is important is to take proper breaks. You've got to take proper breaks. Like we were saying before, you've got 20 minutes of pure concentration time, then you've got to have a break. Um, I mean, I work sometimes till, I've worked sometimes till three in the morning, but I will get up and go and make dinner. I'll go up and put the washing in. And then 20 minutes later, I'll get up and do something else. When the washing's finished, I'll get up and go and put it on the line. You know, just do proper, proper breaks. So don't walk away from your desk and talk to a colleague about work. 
I mean, just <laughs> stop work, actually stop work. Um, go and have a water cooler chat. Go and stand around the kettle and talk about what you're going to do at weekend. Five or ten minutes break, you know, just get your head out of it. When you stop work, actually stop work. Don't take it home with you. Oh my God. Don't keep thinking about it. One of the tools I have for doing this is to have a book, not a piece of paper, but a book as a to-do list. So you write your to-do list in it and then shut the book. Okay. When you're ready to work, open the book, pick something off your to-do list and shut the book again. So you're not constantly looking at all the things you've got to do. That's a good idea. I'm stealing that. Yeah. <laughs> and when, when you've got everything written down in a book, you can let it go out your head because it's there. You don't have to stress about it. Yeah. It's there. It's written down. And it's ready for you when you want to do it. And it's not on a scrap piece of paper that you lose. And it's not on a piece. Absolutely, it's not on a piece of paper that you're looking at all the time. It's in a book that's closed. So when you're ready to do it, you can open the book, pick something, close the book again, oh. and then cross it out because it's really good fun crossing it out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One of your earlier podcasts. I must admit, I've listened to all your podcasts now. Oh, I love thank your podcast. You. <laughs> One of your early podcasts, you mentioned box breathing, something we call square breathing. Okay. Um, so have you mentioned to anybody how to do it? Did you, it, did you describe how content, to do it? content, but not on the podcast, no. So that would be really good, I think. Yeah. Sure. Right, okay. So one of the things that we do, the square breathing, it's great for anxiety as well. So anything that makes you sort of get into a, a bit of a circle that you've got to jolt yourself out of. And I don't know whether you are aware, but this is one of the tools that the SAS actually use. Um, oh, no? And yeah, it's a very, very high level tool. And it's very, very simple. When you're breathing normally, we call it triangular breathing. So you breathe in, you breathe out, and then you rest. You breathe in, you breathe out, and then you rest. Yeah. So what box breathing or square breathing is all about is breathing in for a set count, say six, and then hold it for the same set count, then breathe out for that set count, and then hold it again. So you're allowing your body time to absorb the oxygen yeah. in that air, and then your system calms down right so in hold out hold if you make it so it gets ever so slightly uncomfortable then work out how long that is and use that amount of time you find out that the length of time that you can do it for actually increases as well <laughs> see i didn't know that and i always say four because at four when i'm holding it i panic I think, oh my god i can't breathe <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> don't worry about panicking because you if you conk out, you'll carry on breathing. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> that that um, animal instinct will kick back in and start yeah. breathing. <laughs> Absolutely. You cannot kill yourself by holding your own breath. Don't worry about that. <laughs> I'm so glad. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then if you actually go unconscious from not breathing, you actually get rest then as well, which is great. <laughs> That's, that's a bit extreme <laughs> it is a bit extreme but it made you laugh it did <laughs> so you've got to have a laugh during work have a bit of fun pass jokes around the office this is what memes were created for yeah. memes were created for passing around the office and having a bit of a laugh and just relieving the stress you've got to do it and you've got to have a good belly laugh every now and again as well yeah yeah must have a good belly laugh again um get out in the fresh air have a walk Go and stand in the garden and just look at something green. Green is a very, very relaxing color. Um, 30 minutes walk, sunshine, in the sunshine every day is an absolute minimum, really. 
yeah. one for stress levels but also you've got to pump lymph around your system as well which is a completely different subject and we won't go into it um <laughs> and it gives you vitamin d as well yeah. so it gives you a daily dose of vitamin d yeah so which is very important for you and it'll increase your serotonin which makes you a happier person all in all yeah yeah as we said before having a massage not only does it make your mind relax but also it releases all those stress hormones out of your muscles that have got stuck there right so it'll push all those hormones out and it'll push all those toxins out that are causing you to be stressed and it'll it'll make your body relax as well as your mind and when your body more relaxes your mind is more able to cope I had um, I had a deep tissue massage once, and the next day I was actually yeah. really ill because all the acid, the lactic acid, and the toxins that had come out made yeah. me look shaky and like like sunstroke. Yeah. But like sunstroke, it was really weird. Absolutely, yeah. And one of the things that we say to our students um, is, if you do a treatment for somebody and it's a heavy treatment, don't phone them the next day and ask them how they are. Leave it two days because the next day they're going to hate you. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. In two or three days, they're going to love you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I did feel very alleviating after that. But the next day, I was like, oh, what have I done? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. This is the following day. Don't even answer the phone calls. Following... <laughs> no, answer the phone calls if they're worried. But the following day, don't chase it up and say, how do you feel? Because they're going to say, actually, I don't feel very well at all. Or actually, it hurts more. But a couple of days later, they'll feel great. Right. So, yeah, so if you do have them relaxing massage, just remember that the following day you're going to detox, and detox sometimes isn't fun. <laughs> okay, so another one is don't take on other people's stresses. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so one of my favorite sayings is, if you have a problem, don't give it to me. It's yours, not mine. That's Say that again. If you have a problem, don't give it to me. It's your problem, not mine. Oh, that is a lovely little one line yeah. I like that and it doesn't mean to say don't help people yeah don't own their problems yeah don't take on their responsibilities um one a, a guy that I, I I don't know if um if he'll remember this but a guy that was one of my very very first clients and I was massaging him and his muscles were stuck and week after week he was in pain he was in absolute agony and we were talking about all his work. And he said, one of the worst things he does, he, he, he went through this training course with somebody and that person, I can't remember what it is. Um, he said, all, your pro all the problems in the world are like little monkeys. Mm -hmm. And they will, if you take them on, they'll sit on your shoulders and they'll pull your hair and they'll kick you and they'll bite you and they'll smell and they're horrible little things. They'll just carry on attacking you. And every single problem in the world is one monkey. Don't carry everybody else's monkeys around. Yes. Yeah. Just carry your own. Because yeah. if you carry everybody's monkeys around, it'll weigh you down. Oh. And it'll hurt because they'll keep biting you and they'll keep scratching you and they'll keep attacking you. And you've got to pass them back to the person that owns it and say, that's not mine. That's yours. You have that. I'm, I don't want it. Oh, God. I need not my problem. I needed to hear this this morning because I had this, <laughs> I had a little bit of a cry today because so much stress and pressure. And the lady I spoke to said, it's not your problem. Stop taking it on. And I'm like, no, yeah. right. you are right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, if you go into somewhere, um, so it was, for instance, like with clients, with the emotional therapy clients, you can get somebody come in and say, one of my clients, we were talking, I mean, I've had permission to talk to her about this. I won't release who it is or talk. Yeah. 
most of the stuff about it, but well, she went through so much abuse. Um, and if I took on her things, I would probably be a quivering wreck by now. But as soon as she went, shut the door, she's gone, not mine. Write it down, done. How do you, how do you detach like that? Because it's not mine. You just have to recognize it's not yours. You can do all your breathing, you can do your protections, you can do all your visualizations, but in the end, it's all the symbology of it's not mine. That's hers, not mine. That's you know, it's, it's not something I have to take on. I have enough worries in the world without taking on everybody else's as well. Brilliant advice. Brilliant. Same from that, if you're in a conversation or in an argument, one of the coping skills for that of not taking on other people's things is if the other person is shouting at you and there's a lot of aggression and tension in the air just let them do it okay if you let them shout and scream and do what they've got to do and you don't argue back you just sit there and listen and actually listen to what they say eventually they'll deflate and you'll then have time to say okay so I understand you're upset about X. Can we sit down and talk about this rationally and see if we can work something out? Brilliant. And most of the time they'll go, yeah. If they're just letting off steam, they might not. And if they continue, walk away and say, right, I'm coming back when you're ready to talk. Yeah, yeah. Sort of don't um, feed into it and don't yeah. antagonize it. Yeah, don't give it any energy. Yeah. Yeah. You give it any energy, it's like feeding a fire petrol. Yeah. You're just going to make it bigger and you're going to make it worse. And nobody's going to be any the wiser and nobody's going to listen to anybody else. Yeah. Yeah. But if you don't feed it, it won't grow. It'll just fizzle out. And it's the same with arguments. Arguments are like fires. Just don't feed them. But I think the last point we've got is the most important, really is the most important. And it's one that I learned very late. And it's one that I think has been very, very important to me over my life. And it's one of the reasons that, said yourself, you've learned a lot from the conversation. It's one of the reasons that I, I have learned an awful lot. Um, every stressful situation you get into and every negative situation you get into, just look at it as an opportunity for learning and growth. You think, okay, something really bad's going on here. However, I'm going to learn to deal with this. I'm going to learn what the situation is for getting over this. So... For instance, back in the computer room, if the computer crashed, I'm going to learn how to fix this. And eventually my boss actually sent me off and did a programming course because programming was one of the ways that I could learn to fix it on my own without waiting for an engineer to come in. Yeah. We, I do, at the moment, we, um, we're, I've, I help write the websites basically because if there's an error and it's a minor error, I can jump into it and I can fix it quickly without going, oh my God, oh my God, there's a, the website's gone down. We, the, the, the students aren't gonna be able to get on it. No, just fix it. And I've <laughs> learned to fix it. Oh, I, need, I need a little bit of that because I am useless. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a major fault you said, don't say you're useless. You haven't learned how to do that yet. Yeah. Uh, I, I, yes. If you tell your brain you're useless, your brain will go, yes, I'm useless. And it'll just not bother. You haven't learned to do that yet. And there I was uh, the other day talking about um, the language that I use and I've just called myself yep. useless and affirmed it. <laughs> yep, I heard that. I heard that. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so life is about 
learning, experiencing growth and sharing successes. Yes. Every pain you've got is an opportunity for growth. Every negativity is an opportunity to get stronger. It is. And if you see all the negative things around you as just opportunities, like one of my bosses used to come to me with a big job, he used to stand in front of my desk and say, I've got an opportunity for you. And he knew <laughs> you was going to get a big, horrible job lumped on you. But he was right. It was an opportunity, an opportunity to gain knowledge, strength and experience. It's it certainly is, and you know, it's in the in the moment you're kind of like I've got a situation of my own in my personal life at the moment, and and in the yeah. moment I'm like, and I I come to a realization today after a little meditate in the bath <laughs> <laughs> that um, yes, it, it isn't mine, but it's a, I need to change my perspective on it and look at yeah. this and well, that's not going to change. I can't control it. So what am I going to do? to make my situation better and it was me yes. changing that perspective and asking a different question like, like what am I going to do what am I going to do no how can I be yes. the change I want to see in this situation and everything sort of melted away from me this afternoon brilliant you did your own stress busting yeah I did I didn't yeah. realize it was that but I did <laughs> yeah and we're better than in the bath <laughs> yes I'll, I'll have all my best ideas in the bath always I always have a crystal bath with Epsom salts <laughs> <laughs> I do. I have all my best ideas while I'm walking the dog. Oh, do you? oh yeah. No, that is yeah. a good place actually because you've just got. Yeah. I think when you're walking the dog and they're enjoying their sounds, and that's giving you like little love bombs, isn't it? When you when you yeah. see them and you're in your own little world, so you have all these fantastic thoughts, don't you? <laughs> Absolutely. And all the people around me, though, at the moment, is uh, we're not walking in fields and things because um, the fields are a little bit wet. But also, there's some people around pinching dogs, oh, so we're oh. we're just walking through busy areas and you get people looking at you you can see that they're looking at you thinking that person's talking to themselves but when you're talking to the dog you can pretend i'm just talking to the dog <laughs> she understands every word i say but i actually think my dog does <laughs> yeah my my dog is absolute she she is so really good at chinese medicine and stress and things like that <laughs> excellent at it if she could speak english she'd be a she'd be a therapist <laughs> the dog therapist <laughs> absolutely yeah oh she is anxiety dog she is she's full of anxiety oh is she oh bless <laughs> yeah. her she's a, she's a staffy isn't she she's a staffy yeah so she's a, she is full of anxiety and yeah. i say to people oh yes yeah, she's a she's a mental health dog she needs lots of uh, mental health support oh <laughs> she needs these cuddles Oh my goodness, well, Michelle, it has been fantastic to speak to you. I have learned so much. I mean, I, I'm going to, well, well, I'm going to edit it, obviously, but I'm going to listen <laughs> back and, and I'm, I'm just in awe. I mean, I can't take it in right now. And there's that much, but wow, <laughs> thank you so much for today. That's okay. There's, there's an awful lot more that I wanted to say, but I thought if I say everything that I want to say, we'll be here for three hours. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is the thing with people like ourselves that we become passionate about it and we can see yeah. the real transformation is it's 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 a life isn't it it's just your life yeah. you could talk and talk and talk about it I know I could yeah how are your nerves now now we've completed the podcast do you feel any better and my fingers are tingling because it's a little bit jittery and I, I must say I must probably have some cortisol in my system right now <laughs> but I'm feeling a lot better now we've got it done yeah it's, it's always good just to face fear and just say it's like the um I can't remember who said it it was one of the sports people face the fear and do it anyway that's it um you've got to you've got to you can't let fear stop you doing things you've got to face it and get on with it yeah definitely
Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for, for today, Michelle. I wish you all the best and we may see you again sometime. Oh, apparently. well, I'm hoping so. Yeah, that'd be great. Definitely, Thanks. definitely. Thank you it's been so lovely. much. lovely. Take care and I'll see you soon. Bye. Well, there you have it, guys. Another whopping show full of motivation, inspiration and education from the totally amazing Michelle Bebbington. Thank you so much, Michelle, for facing that fear. For us, what a wealth of knowledge Michelle really is. So that's all from us this week. But join me next week for an educational show on stress with the usual research from various places and some tools for you to stop stress in its tracks. Stay safe, stay well, and I'll be back next Saturday.